Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be with you again. Um, many of you know who, who, who I am, and maybe some of you don't. Chloe and I were members here. I think we actually still are members on the, of Chile, maybe. <laughs> so, and, uh, but, but we moved up to Derbyshire about six months ago. We both work with an organization called the Faith Mission, which is a, a Christian organization that, that works throughout Britain, Northern Ireland, Ireland. Um, basically to, to tell people about Jesus. It's mainly focused in rural areas, so countryside areas, but, but a lot of my work is, is not so rural as well, so there's scope for that. And so I'm just going to give you a brief, brief, very brief report about what I've been up to in Derbyshire, Nottinghamshire, and it's really been open-air work. So what that means is I go to a town, set up a board. Um, I've got some pictures on my tablet if you want to kind of see what that looks like. Some of you already know because you've, you've there was, well, there's still one that goes on in Peyton. Uh, Steve does it in Nigel every month or something. And what we do is we, 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 we set up our board, generally go through a talk on the board, trying to be interactive. Other Christians come along from different churches. Um, they stand as, as part of a crowd. The whole point is so that other people can join and stand and listen. And the idea is, 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 is to preach the gospel uh, to the people who are, who, who are in the towns. And we, I find it to be a very effective way of sharing the gospel with people who don't go to church, people who have never heard about Jesus, um, and it's something that, that, that I really uh, love doing. And, 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 and so moving up to Derbyshire, it's something that I've, I've given my time to. I'm doing open airs about four times a week in different towns. There's a few churches which are supporting it already, and we're, we're seeking to get support from other churches as well in the towns where we're doing it. So it's been very encouraging to see uh, churches willing to support the, the work in the open air. And that's, that's one of the things we think is vital, is, is to have the local church uh, supporting the work. Um, that's something we, we think is, is essential, really. And, and so that's what, that's what I've been up to. Just to give you two encouragements that I've had, I'll, I'll share with you. There was one man I met in Ilkeston, which is a small mining town in, in Derbyshire. Um, and I, and I, I, I've been there a few times now. I was there one, one week, and this man came up called John, elderly man. He's got his Zimmer frame. And he was listening to the preaching for a while. Then, then, then I spoke to him. And he, he was confused on some things. But was able to share the gospel with him. able to just tell him about Jesus and the fact that we've all sinned. Um, his, one of his major hang-ups was that he, he's, he's perhaps not as bad as some people. And come across that a lot. A self-righteousness. And, and he, he had that. But I was able to explain to him, we've all sinned. We've all done wrong. But that Jesus saves us from our sins. And I was able just to share that. And, and he took a gospel of John and, a, and another booklet. Well, that was that, and then I didn't, I didn't see him for another month. So I was for another month because I wasn't there. But then when I when I came back, he turned up again, and and he listened to the preaching for a little while, and I spoke to him, and was just just uh, reiterating what I'd already said, able to go over it again, and he told me that he'd been reading the John's Gospel, and, and that was a real blessing to me. He's, so we, I gave him a Gospel of John, and he said that, that, that he'd been reading it since since I last uh, spoke to him. And then, and, and, and then I was going through it, through the gospel really again, explain it to him. And I mentioned about being born again. He said, well, that's the one thing I don't get. And I imagine he probably read it in John's gospel. So I was able to explain that to him and, and speak about the need to be, to be born again. And that was really encouraging just to have him come back and say, I've, I've been reading the gospel that you gave me. So do pray for John. Um, pray that, that, that he will be uh, truly converted, that he'll really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, that, that he will be born again. Which is, which is something that he's, he's been wrestling with. Uh, one more person. 
There's a man called Tony. This was someone I met in Derby. Derby's a, a city, so bigger than Ilkeston. Ilkeston's a small town. And I was in Derby, it was, I, th- I think it was last week when, when I met Tony. And I was actually just standing listening to someone else preach. So I wasn't preaching at the time, I was just supporting it. Um, I think I'd already preached by this time. So I, we, there was a bit of a, a team of us. And I was just, just listening to the other chap preach. And this man came up who had a turban on his head, an uh, Indian man. And he stopped to listen, and he was listening a little while, and then he started to walk away. So I'd, generally, when they walk away, you ask them, what did you think? And you get into a conversation with them. So I asked Tony what he thought, and he said that he'd been reading the Bible. He'd, 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 he'd read the book of Acts, and now he's reading John's Gospel. So that was really encouraging. And then, and then, and then I asked him if he knew what the Gospel was, and he, and he explained to me what the Gospel was. He knew that we needed to believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. He, 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 he knew all of these things. And I was really blessed by that. Because I was reminded that, that, that the Lord is working in people's hearts, you know, and we don't see it. But here's this man, with, you know, he's an Indian, he's got a turban on, but yet he's reading through the Bible, the New Testament, and he knows about Jesus, his gospel. So I, I don't know, I don't think he is yet a Christian, um, just from what I was saying, but the Lord's clearly working in his life. Tony, his name is. And so do, do please pray for Tony that we'll be able to bump into him again. So that's John and Tony. Uh, Please pray for them. If you want to know a bit more about the open air work, how it works, come and speak to me. I've got a few pictures on my tablet that I can, can show you just to give you a bit of an idea. But we're just going to turn to the Word of God now. And we're going to be looking at the book of Acts together, continuing your series in the book of Acts. And, and, and we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 26 together. We're really going to be looking at the whole chapter, but we won't read the whole chapter um, at the beginning. We'll just read from verse 24 to the end of the chapter. So that's Acts 26, and we're going to read from verse 24 uh, through to the end. And then we, we're going to give an overview of the chapter, if you like. We're not going to go verse by verse with all of it, um, but we, we're going to have, have a look at it together. So Acts chapter 26, beginning there at verse 24. And this is the word of God. Now as he thus, this is the Apostle Paul, he, he says, now as he thus made his defense... Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So ending there in, in verse 32, we're going to look at the context of those verses and what's going on um, there in a moment. But before we do, we're just going to, to pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you and we praise you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your compassion. We thank you that, that, that if Christ is our Savior, we know that our sins have been forgiven. We've been forgiven for all the wrong we've done in our life. That you're, that you're pleased to look on him and pardon us. 
And we thank you for that. And Father, we pray as we look at your word now that you will teach us your truth as we think about your grace in the life of the Apostle Paul and how different people respond to your grace. We pray, Father, that you will open our eyes to your truth. Father, you will help each one of us to respond in the right way to your love and grace, to your glorious gospel. Father, undertake for us, we pray. Help me as, as I seek to um, open up the scriptures. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're, we're looking at, at really at, at the entire chapter together, chapter 26. So ha have, have your Bibles open and, and we're going to be going through it. But people, just, just, just before we, we, we look at these verses, people respond differently, don't they, to different things all the time. We know that. People always respond to different things. People have different opinions. And often things don't really matter too much. It doesn't matter if you disagree or agree on certain things. One example is if, if, if we were all told this morning that we were having chicken vindaloo for Sunday lunch, well, some of you would probably be horrified. But I would actually love that. That would be delightful for me. And that's something that we're responding to differently, isn't it? And it doesn't really matter. Or you might tell me that Manchester City won the ethnic cup. And I would respond with apathy. I wouldn't really be bothered, to be honest. Some of you might respond with joy. Some of you might respond with sorrow, depending on, on, on who you support. Now, that doesn't really matter either. These things are, inconsequen uh, are uh, inconsequential. They're, they're not really important. They don't really matter too much. But there are things that people respond differently to that are important. One example could be a cancer diagnosis. Some people, they respond by accepting the diagnosis and taking the treatment. Other people respond by saying, well, you've got it wrong. They respond with denial, and then you've got to persuade them to take the treatment. Other, some people don't take the treatment at all. Now, that's more serious, isn't it? If you respond in the wrong way to something like that, it's got more serious consequences. Well, today in our passage, we see different responses to something that's really the most important thing in life. And that is uh, the message of God's grace, the, the good news about Jesus Christ. In our passage, we see, a, we see two wrong responses, if you like, and then we see one right response. We see different responses to the, the grace of God. Now, if I asked you this morning, how, how have you responded to God's grace? What's your response? I wonder, I wonder what you would say. If, if, if I asked you, have you responded rightly or wrongly? I wonder how you would answer that question. What is the right response to, 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 to the message of, of God's love, to the gospel of, of our Lord Jesus Christ? What is the right response? What's, what's the wrong response? Well, we, we see the answer to these questions in this, in this passage before us this morning. We see that there is a wrong way to respond to Jesus Christ. And we see that there is a right way. There is a way that results in us being lost. And there's a way that results in us being found, being saved, being forgiven. And that's what we, that's what we see in our passage. In our passage, we see the Apostle Paul, who was a, a preacher about Jesus Christ. He, he, he is standing before a court because he's been arrested for telling people about Jesus. And he gives his defense before the, the Roman governor, Festus, and before a Jewish king called Agrippa. And we see that as he gives his defense, he shares his story. He shares his testimony about how Jesus has changed him. He shares about God's grace. And then after that, we see how the governor and how the king respond. And they have two different responses. And then we see how the, Paul wishes, how the apostle Paul wishes they would respond. So we have two wrong responses and one right response. 
And, and, and really the question for us to have in our minds as we go through this passage this morning is how have I responded to the message of Jesus Christ? How have I responded to God's grace? And so we've got two main points. We have a story of grace and then we have, secondly, responding to grace. A story of grace and responding to grace. So firstly then, in our passage, we, we have a story of grace. As I've already said, the Apostle Paul's been arrested, standing before uh, Festus, the governor, the Jewish king Agrippa, and now he gets to give his defense to defend himself before them both. And he, the, the, the governor says, you're free to speak for yourself. And so what Paul does is he, he tells his story about how Jesus has, has changed his life. He, he tells you what he was like before he became, became a Christian, before Jesus changed him. He, he, he describes how he was changed, how Jesus changed his life. And then he goes on to explain how he's living now. You get the, the before and after of the life of Paul. And, and we really see that Paul has an amazing story. We see a great example in the life of Paul of God's grace, God's mercy, his love, and his compassion. And so firstly, Paul begins by describing his past. And we see that the Apostle Paul was religious, but lost. If you're going to describe the past of Paul, he was religious, but lost. And this is what we see in verses 1 through 11 of chapter 26. What we see in verse 4 and 5 is firstly that he was religious. He says there that his manner of life when he was a child was spent in Jerusalem among his own people. And then he says in verse 5 that if, if the Jewish people are willing to admit it, he says that they would know and admit that he was a Pharisee. He says he was brought up according to the strictest sect of their religion, a Pharisee. Now the Pharisees, you read about them in the Gospels, they're often um, arguing with Jesus. These were the strictest religious people in Jerusalem. These were the people who saw the laws in the Old Testament and thought we need hundreds of other laws to help us keep these laws. They thought this isn't clear enough, we want to be so meticulous, so particular, we want to, be, we want to keep the law so perfectly we're going to create all these other rules in order for us to help, in order for, for us to keep these rules. And you see in the Gospels, they, they, they weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath, that's, that's in the Ten Commandments, and so they created rules like you couldn't carry your bed on the Sabbath. That's not in the Old Testament, but they created that as, a, as an extra help so you know how to keep the law. And they had all these different rules, and, and, they, were, and, and they were strict. And Paul is saying, this is who I was. I was so religious, so devout, so dedicated to the God of Israel, to the God of my fathers. I was a Pharisee, religious. But then we also see that he wasn't only religious in law-keeping, he was also zealous in persecuting Christians. He was a Pharisee, he was also a persecutor. I see this in verses 9 through 11. He says in verse 9 that he did many things against the name of Jesus. He wanted to stamp out the name of Jesus. He didn't want it to be preached. He didn't want this kind of thing going on, what we're doing this morning. He wanted to prevent it. He wanted to end it. Then in verse 10, he says that he put Christians in prison, and he even helped to put them to death. Now, we, we get an example of that in the book of Acts, around chapter 7, chapter 6, where Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was stoned to death. And you read the account, and what happened was they, they stoned Stephen, and, and those who stoned him put their jackets, they took their, their coats off before they did it, and they put them at the, at the feet of one wall saw. 
And that's who this man is, the Apostle Paul. And the reason why they did that was because Paul was giving the thumbs up, if you like. He was giving the authority, the, 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 the go-ahead, in order to stone Stephen. And that's why they put their cloaks at his feet. And, and that's, who, that's who's standing here describing his past. One who said, yes, stone Stephen. He was all for it. A persecutor. And in fact, we, we'll, we'll see in a moment that on, it, was, it was as he was going to persecute Christians in a foreign, foreign city that he actually, that was when he, he, he came face to face, with, face to face with Jesus Christ. It was as he was going to persecute more Christians. He wasn't as he was just persecuting the Christians in his local area. He wanted to get them in the, in, in the foreign cities as well. He wanted to really stamp the whole thing out. And it was as he was doing that that he, he, that he met with Jesus. But he was, he was a zealous persecutor of Christians. And the reason was because he thought he was pleasing God. That's why he did this. He thought, this is what God wants me to do. These heretics, these people are, are leading people astray, and I'm the one that's going to fix it in order to please God. He was so devout and religious. He was religious, but he was lost, completely lost, far from God in God. And now the, the challenge, really, of, of the early part of Paul's life was here was someone who was sincere. We can see that. Just listen to his story. He was sincere, wasn't he? But he was sincerely wrong. He was sincerely wrong. Here was someone who was very religious, but still lost. He had uh, firm held views about God. Believed them with a passion, as we see. But he was wrong. Now, now many people are like this today. Religious in, in many ways, but still lost. And it's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for, for, uh, for anyone who goes to church. Because we can be guilty of just going to church, and we're religious. But like Paul, still lost. Because we're without Jesus Christ as our saviour. We've, we've, ne we, we've, we've never repented. We've never asked him to forgive us for our, our sins, for the bad choices we've made. We've never put our trust in Jesus. And that's what Paul was like. He was religious, but lost. But, but, but as, we, as we see in the story, he didn't stay there. Because God worked in his life. We see that he was religious, but lost. And then we see that, 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 that after that, he was saved by grace. Saved by grace. And this is what we see in verse 12 to 18. As he describes his past. He goes on to describe how he changed. What was it that changed him? How did this great change take place? He was killing Christians. Now he is a Christian trying to make more Christians. How did that happen? Well, we see how it happened in, from verse 12 to 18. And we could say that, 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 that he, he had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't really like that word encounter too much because... It can become very mystical. But the point is, he, he came face to face with Jesus and his life was transformed. That was the point. When he was traveling to Damascus to put more Christians in prison, as he thought he was pleasing God, we read the Lord Jesus appeared to him on the road. By this time, Jesus had been crucified. He'd paid for our sins on the cross. He'd risen from the dead and he'd ascended into heaven. The Apostle Paul came face to face with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus appeared to him on the road. And, we, and we, we, you, you can read it there in the chapter. He says that he saw a bright light from heaven. And then he says that he heard a voice. And, 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 and then he describes what the voice said. And, and you can read it in the chapter. And, and what he says is, he says that the, Apostle, the, the, the Lord Jesus spoke to him. And this is what the Lord Jesus said. The Lord saw, 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 why are you persecuting me? He said, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. So uh, th 
Jesus appears to him and he says, you're, you're persecuting me. Yes, you're killing all my people, the Christians, but it's me you're against. And he says, why, why, why are you doing this? And then, and then Paul responds by saying, who are you, Lord? So humble. The fact he's just, he's just been blinded by this light. He hears his voice out of nowhere. And he says, who are you, Lord? And then, and then the Lord Jesus goes on, and it's amazing what he says. The Lord Jesus says to Paul, he says, rise, stand on your feet, because I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things that you have seen and of things which I will yet reveal to you. So the, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him. He saw the light. He heard the, the voice. And Jesus says to him, stand up. I've called you to be a witness for me. Yes, you're, you're, you're persecuting Christians, but I'm going to make you make Christians. I'm going to make you call more people to be Christians. Yes, you're trying to, to wipe out my name, but I'm going to make you promote my name. I'm going to make you spread my name. You're going to be a minister for me. And then he says that, that I'm going to send you to the Gentiles to preach to them. Now to Paul, before this, that would have been unthinkable. For, for a Pharisee, to be preaching to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, that was unthinkable. Never would never happen. But now the Lord Jesus is saying, that's what I want you to do. What was he to do to open their eyes in order that they might turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might re receive forgiveness of sin? And so the Apostle Paul says, this is what happened to me. I was going to kill Christians, and this happened to me. Jesus appeared to me a persecutor of the church, a person that was killing Christians, a person that hated Jesus. Jesus appeared to me. And, and we, we, we see what happened. He was, he was totally changed and transformed by this. We see that he, he put his faith in Jesus. He asked him to forgive him for his sin. He gave his life to the preaching of the gospel, as we're going to see in a moment. He submitted to Jesus Christ. He put his faith in him. He believed in him. And, 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 and everything was changed. Now, we must notice that, G, that Paul wasn't looking for Jesus. I mean, we must get that. Paul was doing the exact opposite. Paul was wanting to get rid of Jesus. But yet, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him and saved him. Now, how could we describe this? The word grace is how we describe this. The word grace means undeserved kindness, uh, unfavored merit, unmerited favor even. I always get that wrong unmerited favor he he didn't deserve it he he did not deserve what the lord jesus christ had done for him but the lord jesus christ nevertheless saved him appeared to him changed him and that's what grace is god's riches at christ's expense the love of jesus and anybody who is who has been saved in the same way paul has been, they've believed in jesus they've been forgiven for their sins every, every person is, are, are recipients of grace Undeserved kindness. There's no boast that we can make before God apart from, apart from what Jesus Christ has done for us. Why has he done it? It's a free grace. And that's what the Apostle Paul experienced here. And the, and, and, and the question that faces us as, as we look at the conversion of the Apostle Paul is, have you experienced conversion? Have you been converted? Have you been changed like Paul was changed? Now, I'm not saying, did Jesus appear to you on the road? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, did you see a big light and hear a heavenly voice? That's not the point. But the point is this. Have you come to the realization that Jesus Christ is Lord? That he is the Savior of the world? That he died for sinners and that you're a sinner and that he can save you just as he saved Paul? That's what must happen. It, it doesn't need to be as dramatic as what's happened here, but the pattern should be the same. You're going away from God. 
You're walking uh, your own way. You're living in sin without God. That's what Paul was doing. Then he came to realize that he was guilty before God and that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who died for the sins of the world. He came to realize this. And then what did he do? He changed his mind about the way he was living. He put his trust in Jesus Christ and he was saved. Now, it might not be as dramatic as this, but that has to happen to each one of us. We have to come to realize we're sinners. Jesus Christ is a savior. We need him to, to forgive us for our sins, for our lying, our stealing, the bad things we've done in our life. And we need to put our trust in him, just like Paul did. And the question is, has that happened to you? Are you converted? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Well, after Paul was saved by grace, we see that he lived the rest of his life living for Jesus. If you were to sum up the life of Paul, that would be it, living for Jesus. After his conversion, he says in verses 19 to 23 that he wasn't disobedient to this heavenly vision, but what did he do? He went and proclaimed the name of Jesus. He says in verse 20 that he called people to repentance. He called people to turn from their sin, to turn to Jesus Christ. He says that he preached both to small and to great. And you can read through the book of Acts, the life that he lived to make Jesus Christ known. He, he was all out for Jesus. Absolutely everything was, he was all in to make Jesus Christ known. That was how he lived. And in fact, he's, the reason why he's standing in this court as we read this chapter is because he's been telling people about Jesus. He suffered for Jesus. You can read in 1 Corinthians 11 about all he suffered because he wanted to tell people about Jesus. He was religious but lost. Then he was saved by grace. And as he's speaking to the king and the governor, he is living for Christ. Now, as we look at the life of Paul, we, we see the grace of God, don't we? The love of Jesus. The love of Jesus. Just as Paul was transformed, the, the, the wonderful truth is we can be transformed as well. You can be transformed. And the challenge for those of us who are Christians already this morning is we've experienced this conversion. We've been saved by grace the Lord Jesus has wonderfully changed us. He's forgiven us through no merit of our own, of pure grace. And the question is, are we, like Paul, living for Jesus? That's the right response. And Paul got it right when he gave himself totally to make Jesus known. Now, it doesn't mean you've got to become a, a traveling preacher like Paul. But in the workplace, are you trying to tell people about Jesus? At school, are you trying to tell people about Jesus? At college, are you living for Jesus Christ? Well, that's what Paul did. He, 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 he wasn't disobedient, he said, to the call, but he made Christ known. And if you're not a Christian this morning, then the question is, how will you respond to God's grace? Paul responded by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He repented and he believed. And the question... That, that faces us is, is how will you respond? And that leads us to our second point, and it's going to be a bit briefer. We've seen a story of grace. Now we see responding to grace. After Paul has told his testimony, he's told his real life story about how Jesus changed him. He then uh, is interrupted by Festus, and then Agrippa gives his, his opinion as well. And we see, we, we see two responses and they're two wrong responses. And then the Apostle Paul gives the response that he wants them to have. He tells them, this is how I want you to respond. And we're going to quickly look at this. Responding to grace, how should we respond to the grace of God? How should we respond to what Jesus Christ has done for us? Well, you might respond like Festus. Festus, the governor, listened for a while. He listened patiently. But I imagine he was sitting there. Maybe his foot was tapping. He was maybe grabbing onto his seat. He was, he was struggling to keep it all together. And we see that because he interrupted Paul's message. And it says he shouted out with a loud voice. He butted in. 
And he shouted out with a loud voice. And this is what he said. He said, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. In other words, he's saying, Paul, you're crazy. Now, the, the Greek word that's, that's used twice in that verse is, is, is the word that we get the word maniac from. He's saying, Paul, you're a maniac. You're out of your mind. You are insane. How can you believe these things? He says, you've learned so much that your brain has cracked. You are, you, you've lost it. And, and, and so what did he do? He responded with mockery and scorn. He, he answered in an angry way. He, he, he burst out with this outburst, butted into what Paul was saying. He was angry, annoyed, and he responded with scorn. Now, people respond like this all the time. I, I, feel it, I, I face this all the time in the open air. People respond like this. You're crazy. They, they, they respond with a scoff, and you can never answer a scoff. They just scoff and, and then they walk on or they're angry. They'll say something. They'll, they, they'll try to belittle you, make you feel stupid and silly. And that's what Festus is doing to Paul. He's saying, how ridiculous. This was, this was his response. And, and the question is this morning, is, is this your response? Is this how you respond to the grace of God, to the message of Jesus Christ? Perhaps you're happy to come along on a Sunday because after all, they're nice people. And, and you're made to feel welcome. But if it really got too personal, if any of them put you in a corner and said, what about you? Oh, you'd soon, you'd soon let them know what you thought about it. You'd soon let them know that you thought it was crazy. Happy to come along, but, but don't push it too much. You, you, th you think these people are out of their mind. They're nice people, but they're a bit loopy. I, I don't know if that's your response this morning. That's how Festus responded. These people are crazy. You're crazy, Paul. And, and the reality was that that was the wrong response. The wrong response. And we, we, have, we, we read that, that Festus left the presence of Paul that day. We don't read of him ever making a commitment to Jesus Christ. And for all, for all we know, he never did. He, he saw the evidence before him of a life changed by Jesus Christ. And he mocked and scoffed and left as lost as when he came. And, and, and that's a sad story. And, and the question that faces us, will that be your story? Will you mock and scorn and walk away and, and never respond in the right way well after festus's response we see the king agrippa's response how did he respond well if we could say that festus was scorning or mocking then we could say that agrippa was fence sitting he was fence sitting a fence sitter king agrippa responded by putting it off we see that after paul had had ensured festus that that he was not insane, that he was using sense and reason, he was using his, using his mind. After he said that, he turns to Agrippa himself, and this is what he says to Agrippa. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Now, Agrippa was a Jew. He knew about the Old Testament prophets. He knew about the prophecies of the Messiah, the coming Savior, and Paul had just been showing that Jesus fulfilled all of these predictions. And so Paul says to Agrippa, do you believe? I know that you believe. And what does Agrippa do? Well, he's been put on the spot. Here's your chance, Agrippa. Make your profession. Make your profession. Uh, confess Christ. Here's your chance. What does he do? Well, he responds by saying, verse 28, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Now, depending on which Bible translation you've got, they translate that verse differently. Um, but I think the New King James has got it right, what I've read from this morning. And he says, you've almost persuaded me. Almost persuaded me to become a Christian. He was almost persuaded. Yes, his response was more restrained, wasn't it? He listened politely. He, he didn't uh, burst out in, in scorn like Festus. But it was still the wrong response. He was almost persuaded, but not persuaded. Almost there, but not. There's that saying, isn't there? So close, but so far. 
That's what he was like. He felt the, the weight of Paul's testimony. He, he obviously saw credibility in it, but he was not willing to repent and to believe in Jesus. Almost persuaded. Now, this is still the wrong response. You could be almost persuaded and still lost. You need to be, as Paul says in a minute, we're going to see, you need to be altogether persuaded. The question again this morning is, could this be describing you? A fence-sitter. You, you, you're neither not persuaded and you neither are, are persuaded. You're on the fence. You, you're not sure. Could be one way or the other. You're happy to just keep thinking about it a bit longer. You're, not, you're one foot in, one foot out. Well, this was what Agrippa was like. And the point is, you can be almost there and, and still lost. And that's the point. And that's, in many ways, that's almost worse. Because you, you, I imagine you'll be forever of eternity kicking yourself. Almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. Yet lost in hell forever. Almost persuaded. I was almost persuaded. And now I'm here in hell forever. Almost persuaded, but now lost. Never, ever having a chance ever again. Well, that was, that was what happened to Agrippa, and it's a sad story. Hopefully, he, we don't know, maybe Agrippa did become a Christian later on. Let's hope he did. But if he didn't, how sad. Now, these are the wrong responses. Very quickly, as I finish, what's the right response? What's the right response? Well, we see the right response given by the Apostle Paul in verse 29. The Apostle Paul says, after Agrippa says, you've almost persuaded me, this is what Paul says. He says, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. He says, I pray to God that you will not be almost, but altogether persuaded. He's basically saying, I want you to make a full commitment to Jesus. I want you to repent of your sins, turn away from wrong, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. He says he wants you to respond like he responded. Look at his response. He gave his life to Jesus Christ, put his trust in Jesus, and lived for him. He was saved. And he's saying, you must do the same. That's the right response. Not almost persuaded, but altogether. Does that describe you this morning? Can you say, I am altogether persuaded? I'm all in. I'm a Christian. My faith is in Jesus Christ alone. He is my Savior. I'm saved by grace. How have you responded to God's grace as we finish? In our passage this morning, we, 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 we see the story of God's grace in Paul's life. And every Christian has got a story like that. Maybe not as dramatic, maybe more dramatic. Some people have. But there's nevertheless a story of God's grace where God saved us. He changed us and now we're his. We're born again by his spirit. We've been saved. And I wonder, is that your experience? And after we saw the story of God's grace in Paul's life, we saw the responses, didn't we? Scorning, unfencing. And, and they were the wrong responses. But then, but then we've just seen the right response. Repentance. Faith in Jesus Christ. And I ask you this morning, what's your response? What's your response to the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, John Newton wrote that well-known hymn, Amazing Grace. We all know it. Everybody knows Amazing Grace. And he wrote that hymn, but just like Paul, he, he was a very unlikely, well, we were all unlikely candidates for God's grace. That's the point, is grace. None of us deserve what God has done. You look at the life of Newton and you think, wow. The fact that God could save a man like him. He was a slave trader, a very wicked and immoral man. He profited off the selling of people. Wicked man. And then he actually became a slave himself through all of his immorality. But we learn that, that, that God saved him. He was converted, just like Paul was. God's amazing love. And after he was saved, he wrote those famous words. 
This was, this was how he responded to God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Will you respond like Paul, like, like, like John Newton? Will you respond to God's amazing grace in the right way or the wrong way? I urge you to, to respond in the right way. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I'm just going to pray. And then our service will be finished. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your amazing grace. We thank you that if Jesus Christ is our saviour, that you don't deal with us as our sins deserve, but that you are rich in mercy and forgiveness. And Father, that, that, that you preserve us and you keep us. And that Jesus Christ ever lives to intercede for his people. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your grace. That you've not left us in our sin, but you've provided a saviour who saves. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the testimony of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for the testimonies which many of us have here today of your grace in our life. Father, we, we do pray that each of us would respond in the right way. That we will be altogether persuaded. That our faith will be in Jesus Christ alone. Father, grant it, we pray, and we ask it for your own honour and glory. Father, we pray that you'll be with us as we share a cup of tea and coffee as we speak to each other, um, and, then, and then as we go on, on our way. Father, that you will just be with us, that you will uh, work in each of our hearts, that we will know your grace, and that each one of us will respond in the right way to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.